Father God, those words, as I say those, I don't know, all over this place. Holy, holy, there is none like you. There is none besides you, Father. Can we say that in our hearts today? We believe that. As we say those words, do we see you truly as the holy, awesome God that you are, no matter our circumstances, no matter what we feel, no matter what we're facing this day, this week? God, I pray that we do because, God, you are holy and you are worthy. You're worthy of our devotion, our allegiance, our surrender in all things. Today, Father, we are a people, we're a church, we're a nation that is divided over many different things. And God, I pray for unity. I pray for unity. I pray, God, that we see you and we worship you, not things, not situations, not history. We worship you, Lord God. And that heart of love will drive us to peace in your name. So may we live that out in our lives and be that example, God. How we love others, how we treat others, how we talk. And that alone are some pretty big things to do. And we're thankful that by your hand and by your truth, God, we can do that. By the conviction of your Holy Spirit, we can do that. Lord, I pray for hearts in this place. Maybe there's certain situations, God, that no one knows about, but that person right now alone in this place, but God, you do. What is it they're asking? What do they need, God? They ask it of you in this place right now. You answer the prayer. Answer the hurt. Answer the need, God, in this place today. Maybe there's someone here who doesn't know you as Savior and Lord. God, I pray they do today. Maybe there's someone watching today online live, God, that their life is, is not where it needs to be. They, want, they need to turn to you, give their life to you, surrender to you. Get involved in a local church. Father, I pray your word speaks into our lives today. May we hear it, may we obey it, may we honor it. May pride and preconceived notions in our hearts and minds sometimes be pushed, be pushed because sometimes we want to, to dwell on those things. Be pushed away for your truth. We thank you, we thank you that you've given us the truth and you are the truth. Move in our hearts in this place today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So are you ready for the solar eclipse? Is anyone tired of hearing about the solar eclipse yet? I mean, obviously, we know that it doesn't happen many times in your lifetime. So that's why it's a big deal. Get it, right? Who bought the glasses? Oh, I've got it. Well, a couple, a couple. Nice. All right. Good. Not making fun. I just that's awesome. That's great. So you're going to be definitely watching, right? 
I know some of the uh, schools are doing some different things from watching, I guess, like the NASA live feed to, because obviously we don't want the kids going out and looking up at the sun. That would be bad. Um, but it's interesting though, right? I mean, something that is rare, something that happens can get us so like, ah, I mean, major TV ads all weekend just based off of this to try to get our attention and to draw us in. And just help me to think about, man, it's so easy for us to get distracted, right? I mean, whatever it is, important, not important, but it's so easy for us to get distracted or to, be, to get caught up in something. And I think for many of us on the journey that we are to be on as a Christ follower, to be on this journey of following God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, to be involved in the local church, man, there's so many things that can distract us. And that's why we started last week talking about what we've put together as leadership of the church called the pathway to help us see some easy steps to kind of know how we proceed in this journey uh, of, of taking steps along the pathway to discipleship. Things that will help us in this road of transformation and greater connection and missional living. And last week we looked at kind of the first two steps that we laid out that, that fit under our, our first step of purpose and action, which is come, experience God. And the first two steps were, first of all, we need to come to know God personally. We need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. And then we spend the majority of the time talking about being baptized. We need to be baptized by immersion in the church so that the local body believers stand with you in the symbol of what has already happened in your heart and in your life. But it's, we need to be obedient in that. And today we look at the next two steps that support what is really our second purpose in action. Our second purpose in action as a church is to belong, to belong into the family, to belong into the church body, and in that belonging, grow in community with each other, grow in community in service, grow in community in our family and love together. Now, from the very beginning of the early church that we see established in Acts chapter 2 and on, the church has had its struggles and it's no different today. Struggles not from the author and father of the church, Jesus Christ, but struggles from Christians who don't understand it. Or understand some of it, but don't like all of it. And I've had the conversations, I've had the conversations with men and women who say things like, the church is corrupt, it's all about money. It's all about the pastor's ego. It's all about how can we build this bigger thing. <laughs> or I've heard the comments like, I love Jesus. It's the church I have a problem with. Or I've even had the conversations with, when you organize the church, it loses its power. And I want to tell you that I don't have all the answers, but I've been doing this long enough that I, can, I have experienced the power of the church when it's healthy. I've experienced the power of the church when Christians submit to the authority of the church. And here's what happens is when this thinking happens, people not only have struggled with the church in general, but people then go on to struggle with commitment unto the church and commitment unto church membership. 
And I have, as you probably have, is church membership. What is that? I mean, is it man-made? Is it something that pastors came up with years ago to, you know, lock people in? To help control their flock? No. Has that been abused? Probably, yes. But I want you to know that I see the blessing from folks who make a commitment not only to the Lord but to the entire church on a regular basis. I've seen it my whole life. And when it comes to these kind of questions, when it comes to answers to these kind of questions, God has given us his truth to answer them. And that's exactly where we need to go. We need to go to the scriptures because many times how we interpret or how we want to interpret things is not actually what the scripture says. And so this morning, I want to help look at some of the answers to this. And the first thing we're going to address this morning, if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at one specific verse to get us started. And it's Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. It's a very pivotal passage of Scripture to help put some things in perspective. Because I think the first thing we need to address as we read this is, is, is church membership biblical? And so let's look at Hebrews 13, 17. The author of Hebrews says, Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. For that would be no benefit to you. So the writer of Hebrews, he, he brings some pretty strong statements in this one verse. And I think to, as we begin looking at this, we're going to look at it again in a minute too, but we have to begin to ask this question. Should we become a member of a local church? If we are a Christ follower, should we become a member of a church? Is church membership biblical? And I think to answer that question, you've got to have more questions. And two questions that come to my mind to be able to answer this right is first this. I don't have it on the screen, but these are great two questions. Write them down. If there is no biblical requirement to belong to a local church, then when you read verses like we just read, which leaders then should an individual Christian submit to the authority of? If there is no local church, and it's not important to belong to the local church, then when you read verses like Hebrews 13, 17, who, are you, who is an individual Christian supposed to submit to? Now, don't get off track here. Of course, we submit to the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father. That is a given. <laughs> but the Bible not only here, and we're going to see the evidences in just a minute, all over throughout Scripture, there is evidences of a local body having an authority over the church, as the church. So that's question one, because because that that has to be answered. The other question is this, reading that verse, and, and it's obviously very personal for me as a pastor, but who will I as pastor give an account for? Good question, right? Who am, who am I to give the account for? Because I, I will have to stand before God one day and give account. You see, these two questions, they really helped me get kick-started in searching for this biblical understanding of the local church, this biblical understanding of what church membership is. 
And when you look at it, it begins with that picture of authority and submission. Not because pastors want to have that authority or to make people submit. Can I tell you, that is one of the biggest, greatest things that pastors carry on their shoulders as a shepherd. Is to make sure that the church, the flock that he leads, is being biblically obedient and doing everything in their heart, soul, and mind to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a very humbling thing. It is not, oh, look at this. So I want to look at, well, what are evidences of church membership throughout Scripture then? And I do not have time to go through every one, but I'm going to highlight some major ones and, and a few others that I hope will help you this morning. So regarding kind of that first question I just talked about, the Scriptures clearly command that Christians are to submit and under the authority of a leadership body of the local church. Now, we here at Highland Hills, we have elders because we believe that is what the biblical status shows us and a plurality of eldership so that not one elder or not one man can dictate how the church goes. Look again at Hebrews 13, 17. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. And do this so their work will be of joy, not a burden, but for that, no one, for that would be of no benefit to you. So there is a plurality here. It's not just one leader. There is a plurality of leadership, leaders, and it's their authority that they must have over you, not because they want it, because God has put them in that place and in that position. And it is men who must submit to the authority of God to give an account for you and for the church. You read in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17, it says, The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. Again, you see a plurality here, a plurality and authority given here. Now, I don't want to get into all, I don't have time to get into all the requirements and understanding of the elders. That's another message another time. But elders are, some basic things are to help lead the church as a shepherd leads their sheep. We are to oversee, we are to guide, we are to make decisions for this body. We should care for the people that we lead. If we don't love and care for the sheep, we shouldn't be where we're at. Elders feed the word. We feed people. We teach them the Bible. We teach them God's truths and doctrines. As people turn away from God, our role is to help them return and repent. Our role is to help them come back to God. It's also our role is to help pray for the sick, pray for healing. Pray that God will restore, asking God to heal those that need healing. I could go on and on about the requirements and the responsibilities of an elder. But there, there is a reason that men are in that place to help lead this church. Are we perfect? No, we are humans. There is no elder or pastor that is without sin. But if there is no understanding of local church membership then who are those to submit and to obey in that regard? And I believe these scriptures show us very quickly that we are to belong to a local body of believers. Yes, I understand the big C churches we talk about, and that is an incredible thing. 
that one day we will be united in the kingdom of heaven forever and how great that will be. And I know that we could make the argument today that how much that probably God is not pleased with our divisions and and denominations and all of those things. But regardless of that, I do believe we have local body of believers for reasons. It would not make sense for us also in that big C church thinking that we could answer to some other elder or other elders of other churches Because if that's the case, then I don't think any of us would want to go submit to the authority of Westboro Baptist where the pastor stands and says, go pick at the soldiers' funerals because that's of God. No, we wouldn't do that because that's not right. And they will have to give an account for that. So as elders, we have to. We have to know and give an account as well as care for the body, protect it from the enemy's schemes, false teaching. Those are all responsibilities. With that said, so will will I, as a pastor, give account for all the Christians in Fort Thomas and Campbell County or farther? And I'll be honest, there are churches in Fort Thomas that I have strong theological and philosophical differences with. That is what makes the different denominations. Will I give an account for what they teach or what they do in their small groups or how they handle certain situations, even things all the way to international missions? No. But I will give account for you. I will be accountable for Highland Hills Church. That's why, to me, church membership is so important. It's not just about you signing a letter. It is not just about you signing a commitment card or whatever. It's because I will have to give account for you. Now, with that said, there's more. Because after considering things like authority and submission, there's another issue that comes up when you study the local church. And it helps us, I think, to get a picture also. And it's the subject that no one likes to talk about. And it's the subject of church discipline. You see it in several places, but you see it the best done so clearly in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. We're not going to read the whole passage. I encourage you to go to that sometime this week, today, whatever. But in this text, Paul confronts the church in Corinth for approving of a man who is walking in blatant, unrepentant sexual immorality. And the Corinthians, they're celebrating this as God's grace. And But Paul warns them, he's like, this type of wickedness shouldn't make them boast, but it should make them mourn. Because he knew it was breaking the heart of God. He even calls them arrogant and tells them to remove this man for the destruction of his flesh and the hopeful salvation of his soul. He didn't pull any punches. Look at what happens in verse 11 and 12. We will look at that. He says, but now I'm writing you that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral or greedy, an adulterer or a slanderer, a drunkard or a swindler. Do not even eat with such people. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? 
So many people struggle with church discipline, and I get it. Because we talk about it all the time, right? Like, how am I supposed to do that when I've got a plank in my own eye, right? And, and there are so many Bible-believing churches that won't touch it, that won't practice it. But folks, it's in God's Word, and I know many of you, as you read that, you're like, Russ, we're not to judge others, are we? No, not with that heart, but our heart is to be with discernment. How do we respond to those who are in that battle, who are in that battle of, of, of unrepentant sin or, or in that battle of dealing with something that is way much bigger than they are, of course? We have to respond with discernment, and the church needs to respond with, you know, with, with encouraging words, or maybe it's a gentle reprimand, or maybe it does go further, a very strong rebuke. And maybe it goes so far that, hey, if that doesn't change, it's in the story here in Corinthians. We have to set them aside. We're not headhunters. We, we don't want to be doing that, but we can't turn our eyes to situations when we know there's unrepentant sin there. So when you look at that from this text, as we just read and others, how can, you, how can there be discipline, and, and even to the point of the worst discipline where you have to set somebody outside the church, and I don't mean physically, but you're, you're setting them apart to say, look, you can't keep doing this, you can't be a part of our church if you do this. If there is no in, you can't put out. Does that make sense? If there's no local commitment to a covenant community of faith, then how do you remove someone from that community of faith? Now listen to me. My hope is we don't have to practice church discipline. My hope is we don't. That's why we preach so strongly about obedience and every Sunday responding to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Because I believe churches that never preach on those things end up in a lot of church discipline situations because the people of the church aren't being obedient to the Holy Spirit. They're not falling on their face before a holy God and changing and, 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 and repenting of sin. Church discipline can't work if there is no local church, if there is no local commitment of membership to that church. Real quickly, there are other evidences that support local church membership in the scriptures. Just you can quickly write these down. Acts chapter 2, verse 37 through 47, there's a numerical record of those who professed Christ and they've been filled with the Holy Spirit, verse 41, and an acknowledgement that the church was actually tracking the growth in verse 47 evidence of, of, of church accountability within the church body. You can go to Acts 6, verses 1 through 6. You see elections taking place in order to, to address a specific problem and an accusation in the, in the body. You go to Romans chapter 16, uh, verse, the first 16 verses. You see it appears to what is an awareness of who is a church member. You go to 1 Timothy 5, 3 all the way through 16. There's a clear teaching on how to handle widows in the church. In this text, you see the criteria of who would or would not qualify, if you will, for Ephesus' widow care program. If, there, if there's not a local church, then, then, then how does that happen? You see that the local church in Ephesus is organized and they're working out a plan and they are doing things 
to fulfill what Paul is talking about. Also, 1 Corinthians 12, you see spiritual gifts being used to fulfill the needs of the church. That's why we talk about this all the time. We'll hit on this some next week of we are all gifted in this place. God has put us here in this local body of believers because you are gifted to help this body some way, somehow. And when we don't belong to the local body and we go use our gifts other ways, as good as that might look, you're not helping your local body. We could go on and on here, but the bottom line is that God's plan was that we would belong to the local church, that we would be part of the local body, and that is the third step of our pathway. The third step of our pathway is join the church. Join the church body. When you begin to look at these texts, it becomes very clear that God's plan for his church is that we would belong to this local covenant community, this local covenant community of faith. And this is for our own protection. It is for our own maturity. It is for the good of others. There are a lot of great things going on in our world. There are a lot of good entities doing good things. But they're not doing them in the power of Jesus Christ. And what authority, what great authority and honor and privilege that we have to do ministry in the power in the name of Jesus Christ. That should get us excited. If you view church as some sort of spiritual buffet where you seek and you pick and you choose the pieces that you want, you severely limit the likelihood of your growing in immaturity. And most of all, you really severely limit what God can do with you in the local church body. And that's heartbreaking. It's not to be a spiritual buffet. And you know what? It doesn't come without its troubles. Because growth, anytime we are growing into godliness, it hurts. What do you mean, Russ? Well, for instance, if I'm truly involved in a local body as I should be, as I interact with others in my own local body, guess what gets exposed in my life? Things that aren't healthy. Whether it's my own laziness or it's, it's how I think or my lack of patience or my prayerlessness or my not being the best husband or the best father, I could go on and on. Whatever it is, is I rub shoulders with others in the, in the local body of faith, those things get exposed. And I think what is, what, what is the biggest problem in the church today is we don't want those things exposed. We don't want the darkness to be brought to light. And we wonder why we're empty in this journey of following God. God has given us the beautiful local body of faith so that we can be real, so that we can be honest, so that we can let that happen, so that when we can get in those trenches and be confronted by brothers and sisters who are in the trenches with us, as well as a safe place to confess and repent, that is a beautiful thing. But when church is just a place that you attend without joining, like a spiritual buffet, 
listen really close. You might consider whether you're always checking out. That you're always checking out whenever your heart begins to get exposed by the Spirit. Because that's what I find. I find a lot of the times the people who aren't committed to the local body in the church, and not just church membership, but that is part of it, you will find they will say things like, I'm just not getting a lot out of church. Maybe it's because we're checking out whenever our heart begins to be exposed by the Spirit. And honestly, that's where the real work is beginning to happen in your life. It's not what we go do. That comes out of the real work happening here first with God. It is quiet in here today. That should be some amen right there. As much as we don't like it, that's where God moves us. He wants to move us in the heart before he moves us anywhere. So local church membership, it isn't a question of what I, what I want or what I feel. It is a question of biblical obedience, not personal preference. Because the reality is we can always find something wrong with anything. So we do it because God has put that picture of what the local church is to be for us. And I tell people all the time, you know, maybe, maybe this church isn't your church. But go find one that is and be completely plugged into it. Now, there are some reasons that we want you to become a member. And I've got to move because I've still got some ways to go here. Four reasons that we feel like that membership is so important. And here's the first one, biblical reason. If you go to Ephesians 5, Christ loved the church. He gave his life for it. So Christ is committed to the church. So should we be. It is his bride. He loves the church dearly. Why would you not be committed to it? Why would you not become a member of it? Also, it's a cultural reason. We live in an age where very few people these days are committed to anything. We don't want commitment because if we're committed, someone's going to ask us to do something. If we're committed, we're going to be, you know, we're going to be held accountable to those things. And here's the point. Church membership, it swims against the very cut, the very cut current of America's consumer religion. And that is a good thing, folks. It is not a good thing that we church hop and we go, oh, I want to go over here for that program, but I also want to go to this church for this thing. There's nothing wrong with going to events. I get that. That's not what I'm saying. But man, when we're not involved in a local church and we're just ding, 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 ding all the time, we are missing the beauty of the local church. Practical reason. It defines who can be counted on. Every team needs to know who they have. I want to know that I can count on you. I want to be able to look at my roster and know that you are engaged, you are a member of this team, and you are ready to take the field when you need to be. A personal reason, because for you, it will produce spiritual growth. The more engaged you are in the church body, you cannot be accountable when you're not committed to that family. 
So we invite you to make that commitment. We invite you to become a member here at Highland Hills. And how do you do that? The first and most important is what we talked about last week. You begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. Secondly, you be baptized by immersion. You learn what it is to be committed to the local church body. And we, we help take that step with you in our starting point class that you'll hear about at the end. But enough about church membership because belonging is more than just becoming a member of a church. It's about relationships with others. And our prayers hope is that we do life together. And I have to this day still not found any better way than relationships being nurtured through doing life in smaller groups together. I believe it's essential for us if we really want to grow and not hide and not, um, not let our heart be changed. And that's what fourth, the fourth step of our pathway is. Join a life group. Join a life group. They're mentioned, small groups are mentioned, they're modeled in the New Testament. You go back to the day of Pentecost when the church went through exponential growth. They grew from like 125 people to over 3,125 people in one day. And it says they continue to add more people daily. Let's pick up how Luke describes it. Acts 2, verse 42. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together. They had everything in common. And they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, there's a lot I could do here. I mean, we come up with a lot of different reasons to not do groups. Whether it's our stage of life or we got kids or my home's not big enough. You know, when it says they met in homes, we know their homes was not as big as ours. It's like the size of my office. Whatever excuses, I want you to understand that small groups, that this is how they had deep fellowship fellowship, intimate worship. They worked out the teaching of the apostles together, and that is a huge thing. Sunday morning teaching alone is not going to help you to grow where you need to grow in your walk with Christ. And so that's why we offer life groups, small group of people who gather weekly or maybe every two weeks, as much as possible as they can, worship, Bible study, ministry together, prayer together. Those are all elements of that. What do those life groups enable us to do? Obey the command to love others. They help us to discover and grow in our spiritual gifts, offer support and accountability that we've been talking about, move on to spiritual maturity. So I want to encourage you to, to give a life group a try. You can go to our website, Life Groups, under the tab of Next Steps Life Groups. You will see what our groups are, when they meet, who they are, and what ages and things they are. If any of those groups do not work for you, they do not seem like a fit to you, we want to help you find one. We want to help you find that group. Maybe it's time to start a group. Maybe it's time to find a night that does work for some other people. But we need to know that. We can't just guess at that. Um, so please, 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 if, if, if you're interested in a group and none are there, if you want to try a group, we want to help you do that. See Ben or myself, we want to help you take that step because we know that it helps. And I want to encourage you today to give Life Group a chance. Don't ignore that. Now, with these steps in the pathway, we couldn't help but put 
classes to help us take the steps because there, there, there's some three basic understandings for new believers that we feel like must happen. And that's why we came up with basically three, a three-step, three-point class process to help us become disciples. One we've already been doing for a long time called Starting Point. And we used to meet for three hours in the afternoon. We have now changed this class to one hour. And our next one is actually next Sunday. But this is where we go over how do we become a member of Highland Hills Church and why is it important? How do we become a Christ follower? Why is that the most important step? It is required to become a church member here because we feel like it is so important that you understand that. That it's not just about joining a church. It's more than that. So I would love to have you next Sunday. Sign up today. Sign up right now so that we can know that you can be a part of that next Sunday. One hour class, 9 a.m. Child care provided. Point A Essentials is another one hour class that will follow as a, as a follow-up to, uh, to starting point. Essentials will help us discover more about the heart and vision of Highland Hills Church, how we're set up in leadership, how to plug into serving, how to be connected to a life group, some of the things we briefly covered today. Um, and we would love to you to take that. It will always be offered either the week or two weeks after starting point so that you can come back and be a part of that. And then point B Equip is a little more in-depth class. It's a six-weeker. And this class will help us how to put into practice what we call spiritual disciplines. How do you read your Bible? How do you pray? Those kind of things. How to become a faithful giver as well and how to become a disciple maker. Because it's important that we be able to turn around and help make disciples as well. So those are things that we will cover in Equip. Um, if you have been in starting point in recent times, obviously you don't need to take that again, as well as point A has some of the former starting point in it. So if you've taken those before, you do not need those. But I would love to have a group when point B equipped comes out, um, coming up just a little bit later. Um, you will hear more about that. I would love to have you with me. And you can check out all of those classes on our website under Pathway for more details and when those classes are upcoming. We feel they're very important or we would have never done this if we didn't feel it was important for helping us take steps on the journey. All these steps are important. They're important as a Christ follower. They're important for us as a disciple. They're important for us as, as a disciple maker. Where are you in these steps? Maybe today you feel like church membership is something that you have put off. Don't keep putting it off. No one is here to shame you. No one's here to, to, to judge you or to any of those things. I just know from my own life, the moment when I surrender my life to Jesus Christ, I absolutely needed a church body. I absolutely needed men, mature men and women in my life to teach me and show me. Because I didn't know. I didn't grow up in a home going to church. I barely knew how to spell Jesus. And I know that's not maybe many of you today, but let me tell you, there's no greater, there's no greater thing than to be in a unified body, even in our differences, even in our different gifts and all those different things, how God takes it and makes a masterpiece when we're willing to submit to that authority of God. Not Russ, not the elders. The church was established by God. Why wouldn't we want to submit to it? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads.
And let me first start as we bow our heads. More important than any church membership is to know the head of the church, Jesus Christ, personally. There's really no desire to be part of a church unless you know him. And so my prayer today is that maybe there's somebody in this room, somebody that you have struggled with that, or maybe you know, hey, I'm not part of the family of God. I've not taken that step. You've not surrendered your life to Jesus. You've not called upon him and asked him to forgive your sin, to be saved. If that's you today, he is calling you to take a step toward him, to give him your life. Give him your all. Let him save you. Let him wash your sin white as snow. You become a child of the king. All that you are, completely. If that's you today, I would love to talk with you about that. I'll be down front. Maybe you're here today and you've contemplated getting baptized, but you've just not done it yet. Will you commit to doing that today? Will you commit to following in obedience of baptism? Maybe you're here today and the Lord is speaking to you about church membership. Will you take steps to become a member? Listen to me, if the class is a, is a roadblock for you, please let me know. I don't want the class to be a roadblock for you becoming a member. That's the last thing that I think God wants. Where do you need to take a step in that today? Maybe you think about your journey of following Christ in two years, three years, four years, walking in the faith, growing in the faith. How, how are you going to do that? A small group of believers around you is a good place to start. And so is God asking you to commit to a life group today? I pray today that as we dismiss that you will go take a look at those life groups, that you will, you will check them out and see if that's a possibility for you. If you want one, let us know. We have an interest form on our website that can also help you do that. Maybe today you're here and there are just some things that you're wrestling with. Maybe you wrestle with some of the things I've said. Maybe you've been wrestling with something that has been going on with how you look at church and how you, how you quantify those things. This altar is always open. Maybe there are other prayer concerns, health concerns for a loved one, other things you need to be praying about. Those are things that God is, is working in your life and in your faith and in your heart. Nothing more important than dealing with that come today. This altar is always open. Respond to him. We'll have prayer counselors that would love to pray with you too if you want someone to pray with you. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the local church. Father, we don't understand why there are so many churches and divisions and denominations and we know that out of sometimes our flesh, maybe some of those things have happened years ago, but regardless of that, this is where we are today. And it's important that we be involved in a local church body and be committed to it because of the beauty that can come from it. And it's not perfect. It will never be perfect because we aren't perfect people. But I've seen the beauty when we submit to its authority and its leadership and its model. 
So, Lord, I pray over this place. If there's anyone that needs to make decisions in any of these areas we've talked about, that they will do so. They will come and belong and grow in this community. We thank you for it. May we respond in Jesus' name. Amen. You come. You come.